Look at the adjective. Play. Now is the franchise going to take the Viagra? Oh, going to put the butts in the seat. Hello there, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode number 37 of the Calls WCW, the podcast where the big boys play. Thank you so much for taking the time, trouble, and effort to download us wherever you may get your podcasts from. My name is the Twisted Genius Dean AS, and I'm joined as ever by sports columnist Liam Happ. Good evening, Liam. Good evening, Dean. Thank you for having me again after 36 failed attempts to establish some sort of uh, chemistry. (laughs) But we tried. We'll get it right one day. Much like, um, much like, uh, well, WCW Nitro. Although these these have been good. These have been very good. We've We've got about a 90, 80 or 90 percent success rate at, at this so far. Yeah, so so we've done ten, and I think pretty clear in my head, I I recall there being two shit ones. Yes. I want to say eight and nine because the last one was good. Last one was good, yeah. And we are getting into that groove of if you skip everything involving Hulk Hogan's midlife crisis, yeah. uh, you're actually in for a good hour of television. That yeah. seems to be the theme, and hopefully we'll continue with this one. We did see the uh, the teaser on last week's episode. Well, obviously, it weren't last week in reality, but the last Nitro said that this week would have Sting versus Dean Malenko. We mentioned that on the last actual podcast we did, which was a special look at the Luchadors with Mike Quackenbush, which is definitely worth checking out if you haven't already. Mike Quackenbush knows a thing or two about Lucha, and he was heavily, directly influenced by the influx of Luchadors into WCW in the mid-90s. Check that out. And yeah, hopefully he'll be listening along with you guys to this one because Sting versus Dean Malenko, well, Dean, it's mouth-watering. Well, he he was uh, he had no idea such a match ever existed. And to be fair, neither did I until we looked up you know, what, what, what was on this episode. And I thought that graphic was an optical illusion. I won't lie. Yeah, it's. I'm intrigued because it's it's either it's either going to be absolutely brilliant or complete shit. There will be no in between, and we'll we'll find out which one it is in a, in a little while. So, um, if you do want to uh, watch along with us on the old WWE Network or wherever you may get your old episodes of Nitro from, uh, we are looking at. Episode 11 of Monday Nitro, which was aired originally on the 13th of November 1995. And for for some reason, and I've got no idea why, because I have not been able to find out, but this was a pre-taped episode of Nitro. And it ran a little weird with last, last week's was the... The <clears throat> fan vote main event with Sting and Ric Flair. Yeah. <laughs> with with just, just the most blatantly weighted voting options ever. And were, were they the same night, I think? Because you discussed this with me before, I think. They were, they were recorded yeah, this, on the same night. Yes, but 
they recorded they were this was aired on november the 13th and they recorded this episode before they recorded november the 6th oh before wow okay yeah, so they they recorded it in the wrong order uh why well not only is the answer because wcw but it's that, because that the do, my card, but yeah. it's because wcw has previous the Freebirds negative title reign, the oh, 1993 right, yes. Disney tapings. They love taping things out of sync and fucking themselves over. Uh, let's see if there's any glaring issues with that. Let's see if there's any discrepancies. Yes. Listen up, slap nuts. That's right. This is Jeff Jarrett, the chosen one. And you're listening to Because WCW. Now choke on that. Yes. Yeah, so if if you are watching along with us, then get your uh, get your your browser, your PS4, your Xbox, your smart TV, whatever you're watching on, queued up to zero 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 zero, and uh, we will be ready to uh, to play this in uh, in very shortly. Are you are you ready at your end, Liam? Yes, my my sweaty fingerprint unlock has finally worked after five million okay. attempts. Okay, uh, well, I'm looking at the screen. I'm ready to go. Cool, let's get ready for some burning buildings. So let's press play in three, two, one, play. Oh, there they are. There's the Hogan leg drop and exploding traffic lights. Hopefully you're at the same sort of time as me. Yeah, roughly. That's good. I think uh, uh, the last time, a couple of times ago, we were like five seconds off, but we yes. made it work. We made it work like the pros that we are. My biggest concern is the amount of insurance premium on this street. It seems to be always on fire. Always. Always. So here we go. And uh, Bischoff has already uh, given the date. Last week that went down in history, which hasn't happened yet. Yes. Maybe Lex Luger is uh, is just is still waiting for his cue to run in, you know. Oh, but that was an interesting run in. That was, I mean, that, that Sting Flair match was good, and we had the just to remind ourselves, we had that all the baby faces in the world could not price Sting off a of Flair, and then Lex Luger walks down, has a word with him, and Sting just drops it and walks out with Luger. Yeah. So I feel like that's going to come up because obviously Luger is now a heel. Yes. So we're talking about the fact that Jimmy Hart has has turned heel and, and the, the WCW world title has been declared vacant and it will be it will be uh, decided. A new champion will be decided at World War three, the 60 man three ring battle royal, because no one was going to give a shit about it before. But make it for the title like the Royal Rumble 92 and they'll hopefully have some interest oh what's this going on now um it's it's either a chainsaw or someone's masturbating or or straining for a dump it's it's batman hogan yeah so masturbating was the right answer yeah yeah hogan masturbating in a batman mask yeah for those of you who are just doing the podcast and opting not to watch along which is absolutely fine just to keep you up to speed Hulk Hogan is in a big black cloak. He's got a Batman slash Zorro mask on his face. He's wearing black gloves. There's a little bit of either face paint or he's just dribbled some tobacco on himself. Uh, And he's 
almost mimicking the Dungeon of Doom. Oh, he's got a sword as well. He's doing a Dungeon of Doom-esque promo. As we've established, because you remember he, the... He's lost his mind, hasn't he? Well, you it remember is, that from the Zorro, other week. You're right. You remember yeah. that from the other week when he, Savage, and a hobo cut a promo in Venice yes. Beach. It has been almost disturbing. And it's well documented now that Hulk Hogan at this point was really struggling to maintain a crowd's interest as a babyface. Yes. He was struggling to remain cool. And this is the sort of stuff that was obviously playing in his mind when he eventually f- made the decision, the career-saving decision, to side with Hall and Nash. Mm. So he's not sure what, uh, what side of the divide Sting's head's at. And interestingly, whether he's on the dark side or the light side of Hulkamania. So he's telling us there's a dark side of Hulkamania. Yeah, well, this um, is coming from a man who has pl- tried to play a tweener for a couple of months and yeah. has been throwing shade at Sting, Savage and others in the process of that. Now he is offended that another babyface isn't being completely white hat. Yeah. Because this is this is also the time that in WWF, Diesel, Kevin Nash, was successfully portraying a kind of a tweener role, wasn't he? With a black glove as well, I seem to remember. It was old, old fist bump people who are wearing a black glove, but that's it. In, go and get your black glove from the uh, merchandise table. But more tellingly, that worked a lot better when they took the belt off of him and technically made him heal. Because when he had that amazing match with Bret Hart, lost the title to a small package, snapped, beat the crap out of him. He, he still had that middle of the road. He had the, the friendship yeah. with Shawn Michaels still. It worked better. But for someone who's who's desperately portraying himself still as the top babyface, like Hogan con- contractually does, trying to pull it off, just comes across as contrived. Call it Roman Reigns syndrome. Yeah. Incidentally, uh, Pepe the dog is uh, wearing um, wearing a Superman outfit. Yeah. Blink twice, dog, if you are being held against your control but um on the plus side hogan in hogan in the uh batman mask has sorted out our um our picture for this episode oh absolutely i'd be impressed if this episode can offer a better thumbnail than that but i need to get the sword in the sword has to be there fucking hell what's meng wearing all right we have competition (laughs) if if he was wearing that because right now he's coming down to the ring alongside the taskmaster kevin sullivan if kevin sullivan was dressed as an old lady while ming was wearing that i think it'd have hulk hogan beaten hands down well as we've established kevin sullivan should dress up as an old lady as every given opportunity um, yes. I've got to say, so Meng, apart from the fact that he's Meng and he can wear what the fuck he likes, um, Meng with that outfit does resemble one of those people who does, you know, the Birdman competitions off the pier. Yes, or a fetish club moocher. To be fair, Hulk Hogan had that or... vibe as well. This, <laughs> so, this Is this set in a... I swear it said Jacksonville, but apparently it's in a fetish club. Maybe, maybe there's a big fetish club scene in Jacksonville. Oh, if... Savage is... Um, Savage has come from the other, the, the, the back. Savage has come in the back entrance. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, man, this is, this is, we've, Welcome we've to clear, Fetish Club Nitro. Yeah, we've got a clear direction for this episode of Nitro. So it's Randy Savage against Meng. Everyone knows what the result's going to be. Savage is on the offense right now. But, but Liam, talk us through what you expect to happen in this match. 
Okay, so not only have we seen a certain type of Savage match, not just in Nitros, but pretty much most of his, his later career, but I'm pretty sure he and Meng have battled once or twice on Nitro already. Maybe I'm wrong. I can't bother sure, looking yeah, back so or... far. It wasn't that pay-per-view. No, it was Luger v. Meng, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I feel like Savage and Men have done... Uh, I could be wrong, but I feel like they've done at least one Nitro before. Yeah. But yes, we generally have... Babyface Savage will start off hot. You know, in your typical wrestling match format, Babyface gets a crowd going by being on top early on. Uh, and again, you have the hill takeover, but Savage will give the hill a lot. That middle portion will be very lengthy. And oh, then he so. will literally only get back into it to hit his moves and the elbow drop and he's done. Almost a semi-squash. Yeah. So Savage went has slammed Meng. He went to go up top. And there we go. There's the babe, There's the heel comeback. Kevin Sullivan distracted him. He went up top again and got caught in the uh, midsection by Meng. And Jimmy Hart has come to ringside. And for the second time in this broadcast, Eric Bischoff has called him a maggot. Yes. Uh, it's going to be overkill, I feel like, on that, because the first couple of weeks post-Jimmy Hart's hill turn, they really laid it on heavy with that. Almost as much as they've been laying on heavy promoting World War Three. But fair play. It's, yeah. it's a first-time concept. They're going to promote the shit out of it. Indeed. Now, what's also interesting to note here is that Savage is wearing black and white, mainly black. So, similar to Hogan, you know, his, Hogan in that promo said that Savage was kind of on side with him. But, you know, we've seen, let's face it, we've seen Randy Savage in the previous 10 episodes of Nitro wear some fucking horrendous outfits. Yes, but the last couple of episodes, he has been doing the black... If you remember correctly, the whole Hogan in black thing started with him throwing shade at all the other baby faces. Then mm-hmm. suddenly he didn't mind Macho, and Macho would always be next to him wearing black as well. Remember that you know, yeah, beautiful moment they shared with the hobo? Absolutely. And, um, yeah, basically back to being little buddy of Hogan's again. So, if you're looking for continuity, if you're looking for, for any sort of sense, maybe watch a different show. Maybe just stick to our pay-per-view episodes. But let's face it, you're here because you love this nonsense. <laughs> Who needs Dean Malenko and Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit? We've got Hulk Hogan losing his fucking marbles and Randy Savage for some reason going along with it, even though he hates his guts. And Kevin Sullivan, a middle-aged man with some weird designs painted onto his forehead. But there's no bingo card or old cloth for an old lady, so I'm not interested. Yeah. And to be clear, it's so if he doesn't want to keep doing the old lady outfit, that's fine. He can dress up as a Baywatch lifeguard again. Master of Disguise, Kevin Sullivan had legs. Yeah. He just basically did these really unconvincing running attacks, just dressed in ludicrous outfits. And I feel like it could have put another five years in his career if he kept leaning into that. Incidentally, uh, listeners, I um, sent Liam uh, a news article this week that I saw, which was the, about a uh, four foot ten man who dressed up as an old lady to. Um, Rope someone on someone on the bus, I think it was. Um, very disappointed to learn it wasn't Kevin Sullivan. No, but g- given that this is in Florida and he spent a lot of time in that state, I'm sure Kevin Sullivan has his own Florida man headlines over in the States. Oh, the Florida man thing. If yeah. you're not aware of that, basically just Google Florida man and thank me later. 
Oh, Meng's missed the big splash on the top rope. You know that top rope that Meng never, ever, ever, ever goes to? Well, we did oh. we did really analyse with Mike Quackenbush how he would go up and try and hit a headbutt but not maim himself like Chris Benoit. So he and, does it um, occasionally. Okay. And um, Jimmy Hart's been uh, knocked off the apron. Savage with a clothesline. Big elbow. One, two, three. Jimmy Hart's been called a maggot for a third time. He's also called a parasite. <laughs> Savage wins. And here comes the shark. Yes, the Savage formula has been completed. I did love Jimmy Hart jumping up in the apron just so Savage had something, the megaphone, to ram Meng's head into. Uh, Is that Luger as well? Yep, Luger's here. That's Luger. Savage literally hit two offensive moves, a clothesline to the back of the head and uh, the big elbow. Yeah. And and Luger's in a very natty pinstripe matching top. Oh, wow. Pinstripe outfit. He looks like a city stockbroker who's gone for a workout. Siri, show me a 1990s outfit. (laughs) And don't sign me up for a monthly subscription with the answer. Oh, wait, that's Alexa. Topical, I know. I... I am astounded by that outfit of Lex Luger's. That's amazing. At what point do you look in the mirror and think, yep, this looks great? For the executive on steroids. Ah, yes. Oh, this up next has my interest. Chris Benoit v. Kensuke Sasaki. Okay, so we had every, every week for the last two or three weeks we've had a little segment they just cut to where Sonny Ono and Bobby Heenan are networking over at this banquet table at the back of the arena now with the benefit of hindsight we know that they're setting up the arrival of a troop of Japanese wrestlers for Starcade for the World Cup event which is a concept that has legs, but no one ever really went... TNA did it for a few years, but no one lent into it hard enough. But I would like to imagine that Sasaki versus Benoit is surely going to be a progression of this, because that's where we're leading. Pay-per-view after next. After World War III will be Starcade 95 with the World Cup of Wrestling. Yeah. Now, I think think we might have mentioned this before, off-air as such. But why did WCW seemingly, not always, but frequently fuck around with Starcade? In like 89, you had the, the Iron Man tournament. In 90, you had the, the tag team tournament, international tag team tournament. 91, you had Battle Bowl and Lethal Lottery. And I think mm-hmm. that was 92 as well. You had 95, you had the World Cup. It's like, it's meant to be there, like, signature event you, no, you, you spot can't on. imagine you can't imagine WWF doing something like that with Wrestlemania no it's weird because they've just gone up to a, a 12 pay-per-view calendar as well uh, obviously we've got concepts like World War 3 uh, uncensored earlier in the year which was the first one was an absolute disaster it's not like it got any better but that Nightfall was horrible and um they easily had the capacity to keep their big name events, you know, Great American Bash, mm. Starcade, Super Bowl, and put in some concept pay-per-views around them uh, in months where the name value isn't going to get them over a certain, albeit low, threshold that they'd have for pay-per-views. So, yeah, I, 
you know, why? Because WCW, I might as well just get yeah. in now. So, um, oh, Benoit's firing back, but basically Sasaki has been hitting some big, heavy-duty offense and suplexes. and. Yeah, but Sasaki doesn't have a star on his ass. He doesn't have a star on his ass. So that's immediately working against him. But he is on the offense so far. Um, he's got a he's got one hell of a mullet going on, as well. Yeah, it's gonna be so. We know what these two guys are capable of between the ropes. They're working a very fast pace from the get go. I don't think this is gonna be a long match because of that. Mm. But how much of what they're capable of are they gonna be able to squeeze into whatever time they get here? Well, Benoit's been bumping like a demon at the moment. Yeah, no one ever accused him of not making his opponents look good. Oh, yeah. Just murder he was often accused of. But yeah, yeah. Making his opponents look bad? No, he wasn't accused of that. So, it's currently, it's all Sasaki, which makes you think Benoit will win this eventually. But, uh, oh, reverses, uh, reverses a tilt to well, reverses a... Belly's back suplex, but now Sasaki's back on top again. Tell you what, that sequence, and and you'll tell me whether I'm talking pollocks here or not, Dean, but that sequence tells me whether or not two wrestlers are very high quality because they very nearly lost their way in that reversal and they managed to quickly recover and hit a fluid finish to the sequence. And now he's ramming the Germans. Oh, Dragon for the third. And then you, well... Look at that. Uh, I was right, Benoit won. You were right, it didn't last long. But hey, it was a, it was a good brief TV match, I guess. Yeah, they, they nearly lost their but way on one of those last sequences. Of, yeah, there were a couple of disconnects. There's one early on in the match where Benoit ran in expecting a belly-to-belly suplex and Sasaki was expecting the clothesline in it. They just kind of ran into each other. But they again, they recovered easily enough. And coming up next, Johnny B. Bad v. Eddie Guerrero. Oh, now here, here are two bankable mid-carders at the time. We've mentioned time and time again, Eddie Guerrero probably has more TV time on these first 11 episodes of Nitro outside of, I think yeah. only the absolute usual suspects have been on more than he has. Uh, so, yeah, they, I mean... Uh, it, it's Benoit v, v Guerrero on WCW Saturday night. Interest. I feel like they've had a Nitro match already, and it was pretty damn good. Was that Guerrero and Milenko, or I think it might have been Guerrero and Milenko? Well, do, do you know what? You might be right, but you might also be listing another match that has also happened. We might have Who had a knows? couple of combinations. Because we also had, I feel like it was Benoit and Milenko versus Guerrero and JL in a tag match. That sounds about right, yeah. We've, we've, <laughs> we, we have Excuse not been deprived as far as the no. undercard goes, they're showing off this blossoming roster that we know, with hindsight, gets better in 96 and 97. Mm. Johnny B. Bad has a frisbee. Perhaps... Yeah, I've just got to mention as well. Is, um, I, on, um, on my laptop here, I have the option of, of uh, subtitles um, on the commentary, which does help because, you know, while we're talking, we can sometimes miss things. It just makes life a bit easier for me. And um, 
every time every time Eric Bischoff calls Steve Michael Mongo, the uh, subtitles are calling him Mango, <laughs> and I just think that that could have been an enti- entirely new gimmick. The Steve Steve Mango McMichael, you know, wearing a tropical shirt, sipping mango juice. We're only a couple of weeks away from him dressing his fucking dog up like a mango, so why not? I was going to say little little straw hat for the dog, yeah. Yeah. Forget about that shit. Here comes Mango. Mango. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we've started with a handshake to tell us this is a babyface v babyface match. Um, Is this for the... I think this is for the TV. Join Me Bad is the TV champ. Mango, don't blink, you might miss it. (laughs) <laughs> You're enjoying the subtitles, aren't you? Yes. I'm sorry. I'm easily amused. I'm a child. <laughs> so, yeah, I just wanted to touch upon the fact that Johnny B. Bad came out of a frisbee. I'm guessing it was deemed less phallic than the Bad Blaster. And easier to clean up. Oh, we're back to we're back to Fetch Club Nitro. We, we really are. This is the this is the kinkiest episode of Nitro so far. Maybe <laughs> maybe in the entire two eight one episode history. Although I'm sure Vince Russo will have a pop at that title. Bro. I swear to God, bro, I can do kinkier than that shit. Oh, uh, John B. Bad's just done something, and, and every wrestler does it. So I can't I can't single him out, but. He just went to throw a clothesline that Eddie Guerrero was ducking under. And it's one of those things where if if the wrestler is going for a clothesline that the other wrestler is going to duck, they always aim it really high and make it so fucking obvious. And I would just like people to aim the clothesline normally and the other for the wrestler who is ducking it to make sure they duck it because that's their fucking job. Yes, do you know what? This is. I feel like I've brought this up on maybe the odd random episode in the past. And this is something I'd like to go in depth on at some point. Maybe at the next Quackmas. Those of you that listened to the last episode will understand what Quackmas means. But Merry Quackmas. I feel like Mr. Quackabush could be the guy to discuss this with, given his amazing new podcast series, Till We Make It, and some of the other things like Kayfabe that he goes into he goes in depth on certain aspects of wrestling, and that is one that I love to hear more from wrestlers about. Because when you have to run ropes, work sequences, do heavy lifting situations, and and all the things that come in the, in the in the job description of a wrestling match, but you also have to sell the reactions as well. It. I can only imagine how difficult it can be to pull off some of these sequences and not make it look contrived. Mm. Uh, To get those facials to look like you really are fighting for something when you're actually setting someone, your opponent, up for their next move. I'd love to go in depth on that and get some more details, explanations from a Quackenbush or a Justin Richards or someone. So who knows? We might get the chance one day. Well, we've got a great sequence here where... Guerrero went for a superplex. He was thrown off by John B. Bad. John B. Bad went for a um, top rope sunset flip. Guerrero rolled through. Bad reversed it. And in the end, it was just a two count. A really great little sequence there. Oh, and Guerrero dived at John B. Bad, who moved. Guerrero's on the floor. Bad is signaling that he's going to go for a flip plancher, which he hits. 
This is good stuff so far. And I always have a shudder when you talk about, oh, this is a TV title match. But this has broken the mould so far. Obviously, we'll have issues if it reaches a time limit. But this has broken the mould so far. Yeah, well, Bobby Heenan's just said that Guerrero has to beat Johnny Bad, not the other way around. So that tells me that this is a title match. Either that or Bobby's drunk. Yeah, I, I and obviously you've got to sell that aspect of it, but it's just that those two never really did much of a job of of giving you a reason to feel the suspense of a match for the TV title towards the end. I'm not quite sure what they could have done to abut that. I think I think just the concept was flawed as a whole, or maybe it was just an antiquated carry-on from the old days where people accepted curfew time limits and such. Mm. Look, Guerrero's up on bad shoulders oh. now. Switches round into a sunset flip. He turned a gorilla press attempt into a victory roll, and then, as you said, flipped it round into a sunset flip. He's just the ideal opponent for someone like Johnny B. Bad, who is no slouch himself, and he's in the peak of his career at this point. But we've talked non-stop about just how fluid... And how multifaceted Eddie Guerrero is. And it's just the perfect platform for someone like Bad to, to work at his best. Yeah. Big right hand from Johnny B. Bad. Have you ever seen that? Um, what's supposed to be a squash match on TV in about 89 between Terry Funk and Eddie Guerrero? Um, It's worth look, hunting down. Because it's basically... it's um, it's just meant to be a TV squash, and Eddie Guerrero is is literally just a jobber at this point. He's like in one, you know, he's in his first year of wrestling or whatever. And Terry Funk had seen something in him that he really, and he basically give gives him far more than a jobber should ever get in a squash match, and make, makes this really good match. But like, yeah, a few minute TV match. But yeah, I'll, I'll have to um, I'll have to post it on the. Uh, yeah, I'd happily Twitter check page. that. But yeah, meanwhile, we are we are building up the whole, as you said, started off with a handshake. Yeah. Bad was getting a bit punchy in what was a technical wrestling match. And now <laughs> the man who would go on to become Latino Heat has uh, lost his temper. Yeah. Oh, Bad's leaping over the referee. And yeah, it's, it's all broken down here. Two, two good performers who have been well showcased on TV are having a, a, a they're having a frantic match with a storyline, and lo and behold, the crowd are eating it up. Mm. And it's putting the TV title over as well. It's, yeah. yeah, this is what they're fighting for. Maybe, yeah, maybe look at this crowd. Yeah, this look isn't just crowd. piped in. They are standing up. They are having some of it. Yeah, you can see them behind the, you know, behind the, in front of the camera. Maybe, just maybe, wrestling isn't rocket science after all. <laughs> but you know, I, I have to bow to the, to the infinite intelligence of guys like Al Snow and Rip Rogers and Brian James. You know, if you haven't worked in the industry, you, you couldn't possibly know a thing about it. So just shut up and buy lots of merchandise, morons. Sorry, did I get sidetracked? I'll say this. If you're in the business, you will know more about it than if you're not in the business. However, everyone is entitled to an opinion, whether they've been in the business or not. That is and correct. But uh, conversely, 
I have never played professional football, but I will go to my grave insisting that Emil Heskey was shit. <laughs> but he had an awesome golf putt celebration, so who cares? Well, tombstone from uh, Johnny B. Bad reversed the Guerrero attempt, and Guerrero just, just rolls his shoulder up. WCW I... special. I do love a tombstone reversal on a WCW show. And, you know, this is something that we were talking about just before we started recording, because we, we were talking about the recent New Japan show, but I like the way you know, Guerrero has gone from kickouts to just rolling a shoulder up. It's like it's less yeah. energy, and it's it's because you know it's a sign of almost of desperation. He's now goes for a tornado DDT. He, he it weren't a, you'll see better tornado DDTs, but he definitely hit it. Forty-five seconds to go. They've got the crowd in this match to their credit, but the, ti- the time limit doesn't... You don't feel like the time limit's bringing it to a boiling point as I'm guessing they imagined. Oh, collision in midair with a cross, double cross body block. It's been a very good match. And it's going to go time limit, obviously, mm. because it's a TV... A TV title match. Maybe it's because I just wasn't exposed to that generation of wrestling at all. I cannot get into to a draw. Do you know? I think it works on occasion, but ten you know ten minutes, and ten minutes is you know for a TV match is a fine as a, a length of time. But it's just like have have a, t- a time limit draw, you know. A few times a year, if that. Yeah, as as a concept to be run on a weekly basis, a TV title, you can see why they... I think in the later years of the TV title, it was just another undercard title, wasn't it? Mm. So we're doing the old um, finish to a heated boxing grudge match here, where they've and, fallen yeah. out, have had the grudge, and the match is over, and they're going to hug anyway. And swap tips on moustache grooming. Yes, because we know boxing is a fix, isn't it, Dean? <laughs> I know that's one of the things that you hate most about boxing is the fact that these these guys who hate each other's guts will have their match and then hug afterwards. But that's what they've it's run not, here at the end it, of that. It, it's not. I'm, I'm not saying that the matches are fixed. I'm just saying that the the pre-fight hype is all set up, the, the brawls at your press conferences and all that, and yet your Sky Sports News and your mainstream, even your mainstream news pages carry it as if it's real. Yeah, yet it's almost it's, as if Sky have a vested interest in half of them, isn't it? I know. It's amazing, <laughs> yeah. But like, if you had that with wrestling, it would never, um, it would never happen. In the background, I can see Jimmy Hart, that maggot, Jimmy Hart, uh, Kevin Sullivan and uh, the Giant all in the ring. Did they just advertise Hulk Hogan versus Sting for next week? Or they're confronting one another or something. May- yeah, yeah, maybe just a confrontation. I weren't aware of an actual match before the match, but you could be right. Now, bear in mind that um, this was recorded the week before last week's Nitro. They are now... They are now having an angle with or an interview with the giant who doesn't have the belt 
and they're talking going to be talking about him being stripped of the belt, no doubt. But they haven't recorded him being stripped of the belt yet, so this crowd is going to be so confused. Yeah, I mean, this promo you could easily do this backstage, couldn't you, or behind a green a green screen, I should say. Mm. Easy for me to say, but yeah, they're going to have this out in front of the crowd who who are going to be a week behind. But yeah. Although at the moment, they haven't mentioned anything apart from the fact that he turned on Hulk Hogan, which we know he turned on Hulk Hogan because that happened at Halloween Havoc. Yeah, but as you said, no belt plus they're going to hype, but they have to hype World War Three. It's a hard sell job for a first time concept, so I'd be shocked if it didn't come up. Here we go. Oh, here we go. No mention of the belt yet. But they're smartly positioning Giant as the the man to beat in the Battle Royal because that's that's as old as wrestling itself. The big the, the big Giant is going to be the toughest yeah. man to beat in the Battle Royal. Like how in um, British wrestling in the eighties, they'd have like every every year or so, not an annual event, just every now and again they'd have like an, an eight man or ten man Battle Royal that was always run one by Giant Haystacks because he wouldn't go. Couldn't or wouldn't go over the top rope. Yeah, and it was effective, wasn't it? Also, Andre the Giant famously won every battle royal he was in, or yeah, at least up until a point. I'm sure there was like some obscure battle royal in 1989 when he was barely mobile. That they're like, I'm, why the fuck yeah. did we have him win that? I'm sure that he was was in one of the early Royal Rumbles as well. Must have been. Yes, he got scared out by Jake Snake. I remember that. Oh. And he ca- he came down and beat the crap out of Demolition, didn't he? When they drew one and two and like went after each other. Oh, here we go. We've just mentioned that the the uh, the winner of the battle royal will be crowned WWE champion. So they are um, indeed doing this in the ring when they could have done it behind the the yeah. safety net of a pre-tape. They're doing the arse backwards. Well, you see, this bit is fine. This bit's fine. It's next week, when, which is last... Next week, which is last week, where he'll come out with the world title around his waist. That will confuse yes. people. And that'll explain why that segment got hardly any reaction when it was out last week. Yeah. And we know the crowd's there because they were very into the last thing to be in that ring. So, and they've been up for the show as a whole. They love the Benoit Sasaki sprint. So, ah, uh, Sting Milenko up next. Here we go. So, we're we're gonna find out whether or not this is gonna be the main event star makes short work of someone lower on the totem pole, or is this gonna be one of the underappreciated matches lost in the shuffle of? of the sheer amount of content yeah. that wrestling was able to put well, out in television. I mean, Sting has never been known as like a selfish worker. He's never been, he, he's, he's been, he's oh, a, yeah. Fairly well known as a team player, you know, a bit like the rock was in WWF. So check out Sting's matches with Lord Stephen Regal. That they're the things I think of when I want to convince myself that this is going to be great. I think of Sting versus Regal. They had a couple of really just fun matches. And Regal was notorious for being tough to gel with. A great wrestler, a great personality. But as far as chemistry with an opponent went, it seemed to be a shortcoming. And Sting didn't have that problem with him. 
So I like to think he's going to slot in here with Malenko and, and just give us something really refreshing. And I dare say exactly what you want out of Nitro as opposed to your pay-per-views. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't agree with you on the Regal thing there. Regal had his style, but he was a great seller. He would sell great for people. Oh, he was very good at what he did, but there were so many matches he had where he and his opponent just didn't click, didn't gel. I think that was his biggest obstacle. Uh, the Goldberg one was infamous, although a little bit unfair because Goldberg was, was just as much a struggle in that situation. But he had very many awkward matches on WCW TV. And I remember the Jericho feud in WWE took a couple of months to get going. They even, you remember they even had a, a match where they did the Duchess of Queensbury rules oh, yeah. purely Mark, because yeah. according to the newsletters, they felt like they needed the, the shenanigans and the sports entertainment to cover the fact that they blew a lot of moves. And when you talk about Jericho and Regal, you know, it's not because they're incapable. They're both tremendous wrestlers individually. So with this match here, Sting Malenko, it makes me think: Oh, is this this could be a a, a savage formula where you know um, Malenko has all the offense, and then Sting just suddenly slaps on the Scorpion Deathlock at the end and wins? But yeah, it'd be a shame if they just paid lip service. It's you know you can do things where you act like you're putting someone over, but you're really not. You you get that a lot in WWE where someone will be thoroughly beaten and put in their place. But the other, you know, the undertaker would, would just have a look on his face after squashing the guy like, Oh, he made me break a sweat for two minutes. Mm. You don't want a lip service thing here. Yeah. Hopefully the, the two of them will be competitive because well, yeah. it'll be interesting. It'll benefit both. Yeah. Big press slam from sting. That's the first sort of high impact move. And stings offering the handshake when it hasn't happened. Milenko's gone for chain wrestling early on and now Sting has powered him. So they've established each man's strength on what they're looking to play into. And here's Milenko yeah. going for the knee. Yeah, drop kick to the knee. So here we go. Are we going to have the story of our match now? Yeah. Which makes sense from a, from a storyline perspective because Milenko's a lot smaller. So there you go. He's got Sting down on the ground. And he's working on his leg. We're going to commercial break. But that all makes sense. Yeah. One approach works for one man. The other approach and the other man will win. That's what they're establishing here. Yeah. Sting, sting with the uh, big press slam and the power and the strength. And therefore Malenko going the opposite route. With, um, with taking one of the wheels out. It makes, it makes sense. It's a sim- again a simple story to a match. And I'll tell you what, it, it helps that e- even though we, we have access to the result of this, we could easily look it up. Because it's not a famous Nitro match, we can go into this. We, we could, we'll we both have the same guess as to who wins this match. Yeah. But we have no idea how this is going to unfold. And I'm quite excited and intrigued as a result. Rewatching but- old stuff can be quite yeah. fascinating. I mean, the fact of the matter is we know what the result is going to be. It's just how they get to that result that's the intriguing bit. They're catching us up with a replay. Sting almost caught Malenko out on an error and went for the death look, but Malenko got the ropes. Malenko's been back on the knee, but now Sting's fighting back with, with what brought him to the dance, as you'll hear a lot of commentators say. 
back to the knee. He's mm-hmm. he's giving Malenko a lot, which is good. And uh, Mongo said that Malenko is treating Sting like a red-headed stepchild. <laughs> There's me thinking I was stumbling into announce a cliche, and, and Mongo says, "Hold my beer," or more yeah. accurately, "Hold my dog." What was that other one that um that Jim Ross always came out? It's beating him. That was he's beating him like a government mule. I never understood what that meant. Uh, there, there was one that made me very uncomfortable. I don't know if like, it works in America, but um, goofier than a pet coon would be one that they'd actually say. <laughs> and it, it, it confused me and made me uncomfortable until South Park came along and Eric Cartman really sent that up and the whole confusion about it. Obviously, that only makes sense if you know your South Park. So sorry if you it, don't. Indeed. I, indeed, I... I do. I love the video games of those, by the way. Just so wrong, but very enjoyable to play. Yeah, I don't think Sting's had any offense since we last mentioned that Malenko's been getting a lot. Oh, he's just he was teasing like teasing a slam. Oh, nice uh, German suplex. Sting just oh, kicks man. out. They are hitting everything they're going for. They're telling a good story. And I'm a sucker for hope spots. Because as established, I'm a, I'm very much a fan. I, I don't work in the industry, never have. But I like to, you know, one of the reasons I'm here doing a wrestling podcast is I like to go under the hood. And I've got, I've got a deep appreciation for what these guys are giving us so far. It's fun. Here we go. So Sting now on the office. Oh, no, he misses the Stinger Splash. He never... Yeah. Another little tease, another yeah, just I was think. gonna say, yeah. And a top rope drop kick from Milenko. Milenko now going for the uh Texas Cloverleaf. Oh and it goes for the Texas Cloverleaf. Oh. Sting then just quickly rolls him up into a small package. Hobble Sting celebrates while hobbling. Milenko pops straight back up, pissed off as you like. That was a really good match. Yeah. And that made Milenko look really good. When he yeah, Milenko w- put up a hell of a fight, they're saying, yeah. When he went for that stinger splash, I really thought it could be Randy Savage reverse yes. squash activate. But yes. no, to their, to their credit, they kept the teases going and God, that was a bloody good match. It was. We had we had three matches on this show that were a perfect in three different ways as well. They were the perfect example of a good TV match, and we also had Savage and Men, which wasn't bad in any, it wasn't unwatchable in any way. And I'm sorry, I'm talking yeah. through more Bischoff slagging off Jimmy Hart. Yeah, I think that was gutless cowards. Cowards. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sting is in the ring in the background and a cameraman is coming up. I think we're going to get an interview in the ring with Sting because... This will be Hogan related, for... surely. Yeah, we've got not got time for anything more, so... Because A, Hogan mentioned Sting and Luger's relationship in that really weird yeah. opening promo. And B, if Poochie is not in the room, <laughs> everyone must <laughs> ask... <laughs> So we've done our because WCW joke. We've done Poochie. 
have we missed? Yeah, have we missed any of our running gags? The answer to that is nope. Nope. And yep, Sting is in the ring with Mean Gene. WCW's great Hulk Hogan. Oh my god, that's probably in his contract as well. Yeah, probably. So this is going to address the the semi cliffhanger of last week yeah. <laughs> slash later on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're talking about something that hasn't happened yet. He's got nothing against Hogan. He's a. Uh... Yeah, he that Hogan would come knocking on his door looking for him. Kind of references the shade Hogan was throwing a month ago as well during his midlife crisis at all the baby faces. Oh, here we go. Oh, he's the big dog, like Roman Reigns. He sting Hogan called him a little dog. I never liked Sting's promos. I don't know why. He just. I, I always liked the uh, position he cut them from. But yeah, he would he would talk over himself and go round the circle a lot. Yeah, but I liked did... I liked his style of being the the patient, tolerant babyface. He's being very aloof and deliberately dodging the Lex Luger question, which was what Mean Gene asked him. So that is quite interesting. He he hits his notes, but yeah, he He's he was never particularly articulate in doing so. If it looks like a rat, if it smells like a rat, if it quacks like a rat, says Mean Gene. <laughs> and uh, Sting will see Hogan next week. So there's there's our hook. For yeah. Next week's Nitro. So it's I think you're right. Will be in competition with WWF. Monday Night Raw, of course. And you were right. I don't think it's going to be a match as much. It's going to be like a summit, a confrontation. Yeah. Still quite interesting. Even though I suppose what they're trying to do is they're trying to have the baby faces rub up against each other with a bit of friction ahead of an every man for himself battle royal. Because uh, you'd imagine that Hulk and Sting will be among the last couple. We know with hindsight who won, etc., etc. But... As far yeah. as as far as telling the story, because a lot of the time during the mid nineties, I I wouldn't be watching week in week out by my own mission. I'd catch oh. up with pay per views and things like that. But it's it's quite fun to watch the stories be weaved in chronological order. Bobby Heenan just said that Hogan is a a lost man at the moment, right? And that's well, that's the end of the episode. Um, so yeah, Hogan's a lost man right now. He says. Um, well, you saw that promo, right? <laughs> yeah, just by comparison, Monday Night Raw, which was also um, taped, I think they've done about three or four episodes all in one one go. But uh, we had um, we had a main event um, of Sid versus Razor Ramon with the one two three kid as special guest referee, and that was where that was the heel turn, wasn't it? That was where the kid, yeah, one two three kid turned heel. That was literally right before Survivor Series. Like I remember watching Survivor Series and not knowing it had happened until they brought out One Two Three Kid in a heel role, 
with a sneer on his face and I think he had the million dollar man's music to hammer it home. And I was like, what the fuck? And then they do the thing where they show you the clips from the syndicated show. Because that is how you used to watch wrestling back in the day. You'd miss a few things on these little shows. And then we got to the point where it was all about Raw and Nitro. But even now, they're still advertising Saturday night on Nitro because it is... Is still as far as storylines go, it's as important as Nitro at this yeah. stage. Um, I've just had a look ahead to next week's episode, and it is actually a match between Hogan and Sting. Oh wow! So that's going to be I a mean, fun one to yeah. do. Plus Brian Pillman and Eddie Guerrero. That's not going to be bad at all. No, and they've got and, clear um, roles there. Uh, you've got Horseman Hill, Loose Cannon. On yep. the verge, Pillman, and you've got Guerrero, who's who's basically Mr. Nitro at this point. Yeah, and then um, over on that's in competition with um, Monday Night Raw, which is live, and it's the uh, infamous uh, match where Owen Hart and Shawn Michaels have a no contest where Michaels collapses in the ring from his alleged um, post concussion syndrome. If you remember ah, the whole. Yes. Yeah. I remember Owen Hart doing a really good job of. Of looking a little concerned, but not breaking yeah. character. Yeah. Which was, was understated. Really it was really good, yeah. So um, that's all that's all happening next yeah. week. And the, the Monday Night Wars are heating up. Yeah, and tell me, Dean, how has the mid-90s got such a bad reputation? I mean, don't get me wrong. So, given what Hulk Hogan was doing on this show and some of the other things that did happen, I get some... If you... If you Look at the good rather than the bad. Yeah. And well, it's fifty I mean, fifty between the two. Yeah. I mean ninety three and ninety four were horrible. And then ninety five as we're we're coming to the end of ninety five, you know, the, the Monday night wars have really cranked things up and made things a lot a lot better. Yeah. yeah. This is going to be a journey worth following because especially when you consider the fact that as we say, seemingly at the end of every Nitro watch along we know we're heading towards that sweet spot, that spring 96 sweet spot where it's just going to get, we're going to, I think we're going to be arranging our schedules to do this like every evening, not because we want to get the content out for our listeners, but because we just want to watch the damn shows. <laughs> that, that will be a, yeah, that will be a good one. But um, we are getting there. We're getting ever closer. Um, but that, that was a good that was a good episode. That's another plus. That's another thumbs up for me. That one. One of Most... the better episodes, I'd say. Definitely. They got the Hogan silliness out of the way early. That helped. We had a good mm. laugh about it. We got to a, a serious show. We've had a few shows where we've watched some good wrestling, and then Hulk Hogan's come out for ten minutes and done this crap. But instead, we got him. You know, auditioning to be the stage master at a fetish club. He was over in 60 seconds. And then we proceeded to a four-match show within a very crisp 45 minutes when you consider the fact that a network gets rid of the adverts. We had Savage Work Formula, watchable, even if predictable. Yeah. And, for, you know, you had that blistering sprint with Benoit and Suzuki. We had the... Uh, one of the better TV title matches I've seen, even though it does... They will always get less fun at the end for me personally and maybe for some maybe for some others I should say but um but it was still a bloody good match and the crowd were digging it. Yeah. Uh and what else can we say about Sting versus Malenko? That was pleasant I was pleasantly surprised. That was a really good even match. That that 
to me, that elevated um, Milenko, definitely. Three great TV matches. Three very different great TV matches. Yeah. And a, and the passable fourth. And just a, maybe maybe the best Nitro yet. I don't know. It's it's in the discussion. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Greetings, Grapple fans. Mike Quackenbush here on Because WCW. We are um, we are queuing up a couple more uh, pay-per-view watch-alongs. Um, so keep your eyes peeled on our Twitter uh, at Because WCW for um, some more announcements of when we've got some more episodes in the bag. But they will be coming up very shortly. So uh, that pretty much wraps it up for this one. Thank you so much for downloading us wherever you may get your podcasts from. If you've liked this, please spread the word. Please follow us on Twitter at Because WCW or facebook.com forward slash because WCW. In the meantime, this is me, the Twisted Genius, saying thanks for joining us, and on behalf of Liam Happ, we'll see you ringside.